Hello, my name is Katie, and this is the Truth For Your 20s podcast. I have with me my all-time favorite person to follow on the internet, and that is Deborah. You are so amazing. She is the author of six books, three times a guest on this very podcast, so that's exciting. You'll find out why. I'm a licensed counselor who specializes in mental and emotional health and the author of the upcoming book, Reset, Powerful Habits to Own Your Thoughts, Understand Your Feelings, and Change Your Life. For the first time, Deborah is sharing all of the biblical and scientific tools she teaches in her to her patients as a counselor. Welcome to the podcast, my friend. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Yes. It's good to be here. Yes. And I that was quite an intro. <laughs> And I did, and I left off mother of four, wife to one. And of course, as I said at the beginning, and my awesome, absolute favorite person to follow on the internet. I know. That is so sweet of you. And I really appreciate it. Yes. Well, I can't help myself. There's a lot of people on the internet. So <laughs> every time something you, you know, something comes up or a reel or something, I'm like, I want to share that and that too. And that's so I'm just like, this is, this is the Deborah reshare. Uh, that's what I share on the internet. <laughs> You're the best. <laughs> All right. So this new book, Reset, uh, I love it. I You've written six books, so many just truths when it comes to counseling relationships, your best health, which I definitely want to unpack. But tell me why this and why now? Yeah, that's a really good question. And <laughs> I think it, the story kind of starts a few years ago. I would say the story starts back in... Uh, 2019, when I first felt led to write, Are You Really Okay?, which I was on the podcast talking about yes. a couple years ago. And that was really a book about just assessing our mental and emotional health. But when you ask the question, Are You Really Okay?, people start telling you the answer. And the answer is, We're not okay. And so you're left with all of these people who are like, I'm not doing okay. Now what? <laughs> Like, okay, I've identified I'm not doing well. I've kind of looked through all these check-ins and checklists, taken inventory, and now I want to get healthy. Now I want to get on this journey. Or even some people who are like, you know, I'm doing okay, but I feel like I might not be okay all the time. Like I'm on the verge. I'm on the brink of not doing well, and I don't know what to do about it. And so Reset was born out of the concept and hope that it would guide people into the work of healing, like how to actually do this work that we talk about in counseling. And it's broken up into 31 different practices that will help you change and heal and grow in any area of your life that you might be struggling with. I love that. And there's a lot of things I love about it, but at the very beginning, you open with a pause and I'm sure you're familiar with the Enneagram. I'm an Enneagram three. And so I want to be like, I'm going to jump into the deep end and I'm going to get healthy by golly, by reading this right. book. And you're like, hold on sister, let's pause. And the way you share it, the TV example, I thought was so genius how sometimes we're falling asleep with the TV on and you, you don't hear it anymore, but you're still taking that noise in. And that happens to our external world and our internal world. And I was like, I'm in the intro and I'm already taking like a page of notes about all of that noise. So talk to us about that pause before you dive in. Yeah. So people are often surprised to see that the first practice is pause because it's like, we're like ready to go. We're excited to do the work of healing. And then I tell you to stop. It's like ready, set, 
pause. I mean, that doesn't make any sense. Like we're, we're ready to do this. But the problem is we don't often take the time to actually stop and even consider what needs to be changed. Sometimes we change on a whim. Like, I just feel like I should change this in my life. Or we change when we've reached the point of burnout. Like I'm so overwhelmed and my schedule is crazy and I need to like cancel everything tomorrow. But that's not a healthy way to start the process of healing. Like we have to pause and check in and figure out what it is that we actually need to change, where it is that we actually need to shift. I have to stop and take time to to take inventory of my life and, and also connect with God, get guidance from him on where I need to change. What, what do I need to work on? What area of my life do I need to reset the default mode? Uh, Because we're just so used to noise. We're so used to the hustle. We're so used to doing, doing, doing. But the first step towards healing is to kind of stop and look in. And what's interesting about the process of healing, so many times we do it wrong because we start from the outside in. We start with the behavior modification. And, And the Christian culture, unfortunately, is notorious for doing it this way. Like, stop doing this. Stop having sex before marriage. Stop sleeping around with your boyfriend. Stop dressing a certain way. Stop going to alcohol to, you know, calm you down and help you escape from your anxiety. Stop doing this. Stop doing that. It's all these external behavior modifications, but those can only take us so far because we're not getting to the roots of why we do what we do to begin with. And if we actually want to change, it's not just about tweaking my external world and stopping certain things for as long as I can. It's about getting to the root of why I do them to begin with and starting yeah. to heal from the inside out. So that's why the pause is such an important part of the process. Yeah. And I love that you also talk about the heart transformation, not the behavior modification, so to speak. And yes, because we can be quote, good Christian girls, but like, what does that matter if our heart is still a mess and our emotions are still a mess and all that kind of stuff? And you you dig below the surface and all of that. So speaking of that, you talk about this change from the inside out. So um, like, what do our thoughts and feelings have to do with our behaviors? Yeah, everything. Yeah. I mean, it, in the introduction, I talk about a car that I had in college that was quite the lemon. It was a really frustrating car because all these things would randomly break down. Like I was on my way to finals one morning, literally running late to finals. I mean, first of all, who doesn't wake up early when you've got finals? Like, why am I hitting snooze and waking up late? So I get up. I'm in, I'm kind of frazzled. I run out to my car. It's, it's winter. It's cold. And I turn on my car. I go to like unlock it. And the whole lock cylinder comes out of the door and then the windows roll down and the alarm starts blaring in the middle of like this winter morning. And I don't have time to figure out what's going on. I have to drive to final. So I hop in the car with the windows rolled down, the alarm blaring, and I'm like parking my car, running into finals with all of this craziness happening with my car. And here's the thing about it. That car kind of represents our lives. Sometimes there's so much going on externally that we don't want it to be that way. But what we do is we try to tweak the external. Like I could have rolled up my windows with duct tape. I could have gotten some pillows and muffled the alarm and like just try to figure out how to externally deal with this problem. 
but I'm not getting to the root of why it's happening that way to begin with. And, yeah. and when we, when we go down deep and we get to the roots and we actually start to change, we realize that behavior flows out of emotion and emotion flows out of our thoughts and beliefs. What you think leads to how you feel, which then impacts what you do. And sometimes the thought is so automatic that we don't even notice it. It's a, it's a negative thought. Maybe it's the thought of, I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. And so we find ourselves attracting relationships that aren't really good because we don't believe we're good enough. So this is good enough for us since we're not that great. Like I can't shoot for a nine out of 10. I'm going to settle for a three. And it's because I don't really believe I'm good enough. And I'm, I'm perpetuating a lifestyle based on faulty beliefs because those faulty beliefs cause me to then feel insecure. And when I feel insecure and desperate, I'm going to date in an insecure and desperate way. And so I could come to you and be like, all right, you need to stop dating these trashy guys. You need to stop dating jerks. But that's not going to do anything for me if I don't get to the root of what I really believe and think and feel and how it's influencing the way that I do relationships. So, so much of it goes back to our thoughts. And and I'm sure... I'm sure later we'll unpack that it's not just our thoughts. It's actually our beliefs that stem from some of the things we've experienced in the past. Mm, Yes. And I am over here like, say it louder, say it louder. When it comes to everything you just said, one of the things that I share that you say often on the internet is that we attract people at our level of health. I mean, you just said that, but holy smokes, how big that thought is because yeah, I mean, I was that girl who had low self-worth. So therefore I dated guys who treated me like crap. And then we get, we blame them and oh, it's their fault. Well, but you accepted this kind of behavior. You said it was okay for them to only hang out with you after midnight or whatever it was, you know? And I I just, you have so much wisdom when it comes to that. And we've talked about that on previous episodes, but I would love for you just to touch on that for a hot second. Like we attract people on our level of health. So this work is not only good for yourself, it's good for your relationships as well. It's going to 100% impact your relationships, your life, everything. It impacts everything because your health overflows out of you into everything that you put your hands to. And I think this is really important because so many people are stuck in unhealthy relationships for far too long. I mean, it's interesting. We, we attract people based on our level of emotional, relational, psychological health. Like what we believe about ourselves determines the kind of relationships we believe we deserve. So it's this process of being a magnet and you can tell how healthy you are based on the type of people that you attract and engage with. You know, a lot of times women are like, why do I always attract these kind of guys? Why am I always in these kind of relationships over and over again? Well, it's time to pause and start getting to the root of, you tell me, why is that? So Katie, I'm curious, I'm turning the tables on you because you know, I'm a therapist and I just got to do this sometimes. When you look at your past and that season of your life, when you were just stuck in these unhealthy relationships, you know, deep down, you're struggling with insecurity, deep down, you're struggling with false beliefs about yourself. Where do you think those false beliefs began to take root? 
Yeah, probably childhood. You know, I came from a divorced home and I, I didn't really grow up. We would say we were Christians because we were from Georgia. Yeah. <laughs> but it turns out that it has absolutely nothing to do with your spiritual health. I didn't know anything about who Jesus was. Uh, I, I always say, you know, they in the Bible it talks about your foundation built on the sand versus the rock. 100% the sand, like, oh, I'm a good girl until a few tempting things come my way. And then I was like, oh, well, I don't really need to do these quote good things because, you know, that was just my behavior modification. Like we talked about, I had nothing uh, solid to make me make wiser choices for my future. Yeah. I mean, it starts to answer my yeah. question, you know, it's the beginning. And, and even for someone like you, like going back and imagining 10-year-old Katie, 12-year-old Katie, 14-year-old Katie. And like, what do I really believe about myself? What what am I learning to believe about myself? What are the affirmations coming or the lack of affirmations? What are the experiences that I have been through that started planting seeds of beliefs about me, started downloading these ideas of who I was or wasn't and, and starting to get to those roots. And in fact, For some people, they're going to find that those roots are actually traumatic experiences, hard things. Trauma doesn't have to be like crazy for it to be trauma. Trauma could be bullying at school. Trauma could be a mom who wasn't really emotionally present to my needs because she was so distracted with her own chaos. Mm -hmm. Trauma could be a dad who drank so much that he just wasn't there for me spiritually and emotionally. You know, trauma could be all these different things that we don't necessarily consider trauma, but those are the type of things that begin to influence what we believe about ourselves. Yeah. And I really think that a big part of the healing process, especially when we see things in our life that are not how we want them to be, you know, like these pockets of chaos, these pockets of depression, these pockets of anxiety or dramatic relationships with friends going back to the roots and figuring out like, where did this begin? What do I really believe about myself? And how does this overflow into the way that I do life and relationships? And for some people that requires the help of a counselor, you know, that's what we're here for to kind of help you go back and go deep. And so I I really believe that as people are going through reset, you know, over these 31 practices, God's going to reveal areas of their life that need healing that maybe they never considered before. Yeah. And I love how you have questions at the end of every chapter because it becomes more of an active work. You know, I think that people we're we're in the society of Amazon prime, take this pill to fix it. I don't want to do the hard work to be better and (laughs) everything worth having requires some work. And especially as you said, counseling, uh, emotional health. And, and this is at least one step that is, let me go in, read read this advice as you so, by the way, so easily, such an easy read. You have so much wisdom, but it's just like, I can just, it's just such an easy read. So I appreciate that. But also those um, <laughs> those questions make it more active and um, applicable and legit life-changing. I know in the Ford, it was talking about changing your life. And we say that a lot about, oh, this chocolate will change your life. No, but this right. book really will. Yeah, that's really my hope and prayer. Like I want to make change achievable and practical and show people where they get stuck. Like we even talk about, and so one chapter, one chapter is all about your childhood wounds and trauma. I think that's my favorite chapter. It's called like a child. And it's like going back to some of those hard places 
and then giving you activities and exercises to do to help you. Another chapter is about the obstacles we face. Like there's a lot of obstacles that come our way. They're like the enemies of change. And if we don't recognize them when they come, we get stuck over and over again. And so there's just all these different things. There's one chapter all about breathing to kind of help you calm yourself when you're starting to feel anxious and learning to fight your physical symptoms with physical solutions. And so all these different chapters kind of put together. It's, It's one of those things though, Katie, that you can't just like it's easy to zip through it because I, I do think it's an easy read and I wanted it to be an easy read. But at the same time, I don't want it to be so easy that people just zip through it. I, I want them to go back again and again and again to different practices, maybe to 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 do this work a couple times a year. You know, it's not necessarily made to be a daily practice as far as like day one through day 31. Mm-hmm. Because you'll probably, you know, as you could probably attest, some of the the days are going to take a little bit more work than others. Yeah. I like that though, because you know you're reading that. Okay, this one this one's going to take a minute, and you can pause and and as you said, do that work. And I always kind of have the visual of cleaning out a junk closet. You know, like you 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 look by it and you try to ignore it, but it's not going to go away until you do the work. And yeah. but then that feeling when it's I'm like ah. Oh. <laughs> clearing out the junk. So, yeah. And sometimes you have to make a bigger mess. Yes. In order to clear out the junk, you start getting it all out and you're like, what am I going to do with all this? (laughs) And that's where I hope to come in to kind of help you not just get it all out, but put it all back in. Let's find a space for this. Cause I truly believe in order for us to heal, things have to be revealed. Like we've got to bring things to the surface in order for them to be healed. Another one of my favorite chapters along those lines is a chapter about triggers because we live in a trigger avoidant culture, don't we? Like we're kind of in the height of cancel culture. If something triggers you, you bounce. It triggered me. I don't like her anymore. She triggered me. I'm done with this friendship. He triggered me. That sermon was too triggering. I'm not going back to that church. But what if triggers were more about us? What if they were a sign that there's more healing to be received in that area of our life? Because that's what a trigger is, right? It's an emotional sore spot that that we're feeling. What is a trigger? A trigger is an exaggerated emotional response. So for everyone listening, and even for you, Katie, I want you to kind of think, what's one area in my life where when someone says something or does something, or I hear something, or I feel something, I react in an exaggerated emotional way. Like I think for me, right away, it's in certain interactions with my husband, because relationships are a mirror to your childhood wounds. So, so there's often times when my husband will say something, and it's probably 20% what he said, and 80% my own emotional wound. Like when when you have a black and blue spot, a sore spot, and somebody comes over to you. Once I got a, a black and blue on my way leaving the house, my my arm hit a coat hanger on the way out, this hook, and it just, you know, when you get hurt and you're like, oh, that's going to leave a spot. It was one of those. Yeah. So later that day, my husband came to like grab my arm and just give me a hug and it stung. I, you know, I reacted like, oh, ah, my arm. He didn't cause the wound, but he pressed on it. He triggered it, you know? 
And that's what happens in our life. We've got these emotional wounds from things from our past, other experiences, previous relationships, my ex, my, you know, and the people in our present are pushing up against them. And our reaction and what, what culture teaches us is to run, shut that door, avoid that trigger, cancel that thing, you know, cancel culture, be done with it. But what if that trigger was God revealing an area where we need deeper healing? Like this is about me, not about you. And sometimes it's about you, but maybe it's actually 20% you and 80% me, you know, and I actually have to do the work. So I think that's one of my favorite chapters because it's just a reminder that triggers are not a bad thing. They're they're an invitation into deeper healing. Do you know that you can book a call with me? Yep, just you and me. We can talk about boys or faith or finding your calling or what you want to be when you grow up or anything in between. My passion, as you know from this podcast, is to be who I needed when I was younger. And I book online mentoring calls all throughout the week. I have a calendar where you pick a time that works for you and we just set a phone call, date, and make it happen. Usually I'm walking around my neighborhood. You can do whatever you want, but we're going to just get to all the good stuff. Sometimes all you need is an unbiased third party who has your best interest at heart. I want to be your adopted mom, cool aunt, best friend, whatever you want to call me, but let's get real. Let's get honest. I would love to be your mentor. Check all the information at katiebulmer.life. I love what just the way you phrase that an invitation to deeper healing. Like it just, uh, the wording behind it is so healing. I don't know, you know, just the way we can do these things in a better way. And another, another word, toxic. Um, yes, there are, I guess you could say toxic relationships, but it's kind of a buzzword of they're annoying. And so, you know, they, they said one thing that got under my skin. So therefore they're toxic. Mm, Well, are they, or, yeah, yeah. And and we can't change others. We can only change ourselves. I love what you said about the, they didn't do the wound, but they pressed on it. That is so deep because we all have some wounds. We all have some junk. And then when some people press on it, we might want to blame them and maybe, maybe they cause part of it, but right. what can you change in? And, and that's where the balance lies. Like that doesn't mean we don't set boundaries. Right. That doesn't mean we don't distance ourselves from unhealthy people. But when we're triggered, we also have to see it as an invitation for us to do some work. Now, I don't normally do this on interviews and chats, but I just, I don't know. I'm feeling led. Like I'm thinking of all the girls that are listening to this episode and just the hurts that they're coming to the table with the relationship wounds, the pain, the, the identity stuff. And I just, if I could just invite you listening right now to think of one hurt, one pain, one lie that you've believed about yourself. Like, like as we're kind of talking through this stuff, like what is the lie that you tend to hold on to? Maybe it's something that you've been told Maybe it's something that you've experienced and it kind of turned into a belief like I'm not good enough. I'm never going to amount to anything. I'm not pretty enough. I'm ugly. I'm not smart. Like all I have is my body, you know, like what is that lie? I'm too much for people. I'm not enough. You know, what, what is that lie that you hold on to? If, if, if the enemy could take you down with one lie what would it be? And I want you to actually write it down on a piece of paper and just like look it in the eye. 
And then I want you to really think through where could this have begun? Like where could in my history, could have, could the enemy have started planting seeds? Because lies don't happen from a one-time experience. Lies are usually a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time that they begin to grow and develop and get affirmed in our lives from one experience after the other, one little thing after the other. You know, I think of the one, one woman that I worked with in counseling who was like a people pleaser and she just did everything for everybody all the time until she was like, she had nothing left to give. And the lie that she believed is I have to fix it. It's on me to fix it. And and she started to kind of get into the roots of why she believed that. And early in childhood, her parents got a divorce and she was the one to always put the pieces together. She was the oldest. She would crack jokes to make everyone happy. She would help everybody get her siblings in order, communicate messages from her mom to her dad. And all of a sudden she was in this role where everybody's needs were more important but not hers. Her needs were kind of on mute and silent and her life was caring for others. And guess what? That opens the door for really unhealthy romantic relationships because you believe that it's your job to care for everybody's needs. And then you don't even consider your own needs. So for those of you who are listening, I would just love to even begin this work today. Like what is that lie that you believe and where did it begin? And what does God want to do with that lie? How does he want to speak truth over that lie? Because oftentimes these lies, not oftentimes, all the time, these lies are actually rooted in our trauma. They're not rooted in God's truth. And we're living out of trauma rather than the truth that will set you free. And, And sometimes we try to like put all these pretty words. Well, no, I am good enough. I, I, I'm beautiful, but if we don't actually get to the root and uproot the junk, we can't replace it with good stuff if the junk is still living there. And so oftentimes God has to shine a light on some of those hard places and bring us back. One of the chapters is called going backward in order to go forward. And so this is the work of healing. And I think we sometimes have to face our lies in the eye. And truly believe that we're more powerful than our trauma because of God at work in us and through us. Can y'all tell why I love her and why she's been a third time, three time guest on this podcast? I just went on a rant, didn't I? And I loved every minute of it. Oh, yes. And yeah, I think that you described me in a lot of ways and that girl you were talking about with the fixer. I mean, my parents were divorced young. I was the firstborn. I'm the one who's like, let me take care of everyone else. And I still found myself like, where do you want to go for dinner? Oh, what everyone else wants. No, Katie, like just Mm -hmm. say, like, it's okay to say you want pizza tonight. Like, and just little things like that. And find yourself being a martyr when there's no even point for being a martyr. Like there's enough cake for everyone to have a piece or whatever it may be. You know, like I find myself doing those habits Yes. Everything you just said was like so applicable. And I'm sure to a lot of people listening too. Um, one of the things I want to make sure you unpack that I found very interesting is the eight, eight, eight rule. Can you tell me more? Yeah. Yeah. So this is interesting because it's a concept that was born out of the industrial revolution. So, you know, now that we have like people working hard, we have machines, we have labor, we have factories, people were working like crazy hours. 
Like we wanted to be as efficient as possible. So people were working like 18 hour days, you know, back in the early 1900s. And so there came a point though, where they realized that working more wasn't actually more efficient. (laughs) Like people were burnout and unhealthy. And when you're not healthy, you don't do good work. So they decided to implement this 888 rule where you could only work eight hours. So therefore you had eight hours of work, then theoretically eight hours of leisure time and eight hours of rest. And there's your 24 hours. And they found that when they actually implemented the 888 rule, the 18 hour laborers actually produced just as much as they did in eight hours because it was a better eight rather than like a tired, exhausted, burnt out 18. And so this is a really important thing to apply to our lives when it comes to boundaries and and boundaries with our schedule, boundaries with what we say yes and no to, boundaries with how we care for ourselves. And again, why is this hard for some people? It goes back to those roots like we talked about. For somebody like you, Katie, the 888 rule might be harder to implement because it's like, well, no, I should put my needs on the back burner. I I should be able to say yes to this. I should be able to, to show up to this. I should be able to have the capacity to do more. Like those underlying lies influence why you do what you do. So it's really important to kind of figure out what do those boundaries look like in my life? And am I living in a healthy way? Eight hours of rest. Uh, I'll be honest. That's the one that people kind of just ignore. Like, yeah, I don't actually need eight hours of rest. I don't, I can just, I can live on four, you know? And, but when you start living life that way and things get out of sync and out of balance, you actually end up lower in your efficiency, lower in your productivity, lower in your mental and emotional health, lower in your relational tolerance because you're tired and burnt out and exhausted. So when we kind of shift that to try and do more, we actually end up further back than we started. And so there's something really powerful about having those boundaries. Yeah. I think it just keeps going back to that, doing the work, the cleaning out the closet, the the mess, the all the things, doing the work that sometimes gets worse before it gets better. But yeah, but just p- chugging along and doing an 18 hour day is never going to work. Yeah, totally. Totally. And it just goes back to balance in our life and, and figuring out why we do what we do and how to do it differently. I think that's the whole point of reset is almost, it's, it's the idea of a reset literally means to do it differently. Like stop living out of your default mode. And I always say it is so much easier to continue to do what's familiar Mm. instead of what's healthy. Yeah. If we don't stop to actually like assess it, we just continue to do what's familiar on default mode without even thinking about it. So, so at some point we have to stop and observe and start doing it differently. Come up with a different plan, a different way. And that's what I hope to offer you and to kind of help you in this process of healing. And the reset (laughs) for sure. One other question is about feelings. You said something that I highlighted that I know that you can unpack well, and it's that sometimes your feelings will lie to you. Feelings are a big deal. Uh, Sometimes they're good, sometimes they're bad, but sometimes they lie. And yeah, I just want you to unpack that for a minute. Yeah. Yeah. Your feelings are real, but they're not always true. That's the difference. Like you can experience something real. It is actually happening in your body. This energy, 
this signal in your body. That's what a feeling is. So it can be real, but it might not be telling you the truth. This morning I was opening one of our doors and the alarm started going off because I forgot to turn it off before I opened the door. And the alarm is a signal that's telling you something. But in that moment, it was a false alarm. There wasn't an intruder. There was no fire. There was no carbon monoxide. Like it was a false alarm. And that's what happens sometimes in our body. We have these emotions that are signaling to us. But sometimes those signals are not telling us the truth. Sometimes those signals are based on things from the past hurts. Our body's on high alert because of things we've experienced before. And it's trying to protect us and save us and like guard us. And, you know, but, but sometimes what we're feeling isn't the truth. So if I feel anxiety about something, I have to kind of see it as a signal. I don't ignore it. Like, oh, whatever. I shouldn't feel that way. No, I I need to face it. Okay. Why am I feeling this anxiety? What is this telling me? What is the underlying belief? Do I feel anxious because I'm afraid to get up in front of an audience and share my heart? Why? Maybe I'm afraid of what people will think of me. Maybe I'm afraid that I'm not going to do a good job and I'm not going to be good enough because once you start adjusting those underlying beliefs and lining them up to truth, the feeling that flows out of that usually syncs up as well. Mm. So it starts to change the signal. And so this whole book is really about how thoughts and beliefs lead to feelings, what feelings tell us and how to understand them, and then how to change them, to question them, to learn from them so that our behaviors that flow out of that are healthy. And once you line up your thoughts and your feelings, your behaviors naturally follow suit. That's the beautiful thing about it. It, It's like a domino effect and it leads to the next healthy thing. I'm so thankful for you and your work and your clear, but important way to, to put these words into text, to put these words on the internet and just help us to find ways to deal with our junk, uh, ways to deal with our emotions and feelings, and also just walk into just better clarity when it comes to all areas of our life. So I just want to say how much I appreciate what you're doing. Um, Also kind of going off script here a little bit, I've asked you twice now what you would tell your 20 year old self, which is how we normally close our conversations. But I wonder if you could perhaps maybe just pray over our listeners, because um, I, I just feel like you have a gift in that and can relate to what a lot of our 20 somethings might be going through and maybe just kind of a encouragement to them as, as they just heard this conversation. I would love to. And I just kind of go back to that, that activity a minute ago of like writing down that lie. And I would say, you know, once you've have that lie, ask the Lord to help you identify where it began and what healing he wants to do. What, what's the truth that he wants to shine over your trauma? What would God say if he was in that moment with you? What would Jesus say if he was right there and he was right there with you? How would he help you change your beliefs, adjust your thoughts, have a different perspective on this situation? Because I really think a lot of times the Holy Spirit at work in us today can help us go back and and see things in a different way from our past. In, in counseling, we call it reparenting, like going back to the roots and doing it differently, seeing it differently, getting a renewed perspective on this situation, starting to plant different seeds back then 
that will kind of grow into the fruit that we see in our life today. You can't change your past, but you can change your perspective on the past. You can change your beliefs about your past. You can change the lies that were planted in your past. And so I don't know. I I wonder if some of you need to do that work. I wonder if some of you are looking at your life and you're like, oh my goodness, I just keep, I'm stuck. I just keep going back to this guy. I just keep drinking. I just keep binge eating and then purging. I just keep getting stuck on my body image. I just, you know, what is it? And what does the Lord want to challenge you and invite you into a deeper level of healing? This isn't, there's no shame here. When God spotlights something in our life that isn't healthy, it's not because he wants to shame us. It's because he wants to heal us. Like I have more for you. I have better for you. I'm showing you this because I'm inviting you to heal. I believe you're strong enough to heal. And that's the work that I want to do. And and Katie, I hope you don't mind. But for, for those of you who are out there who feel like they need the help of a counselor, I have an incredible team of counselors who work under me or trained by me at debraflata.com slash counseling. It's called the Deborah Flata Counselors Network. And it's a team of Christian counselors who can kind of help you through this process. We have reduced rates. If you're a college student and you're like, I just don't know if I can afford it. We have reduced rates that we can kind of help you do the process in a more efficient, low cost way. So I just, I just don't want there to ever be a barrier to healing if somebody wants that, you know? And so. No, thank you for that. We'll make sure we put the links so everyone can grab that. So make sure you check out those links. That That's a wonderful resource. Thank you for doing yeah, that. So with all of that, let me pray. Jesus, I just thank you for every woman, every man who might be listening to this podcast. I thank you, God, that your truth is so much stronger and more powerful than our trauma. I thank you, God, that when you reveal something, something painful, it's because you want to invite us into deeper healing. And I just pray, God, that this would be the year of new levels of healing, especially for these young adults, especially for the the 20s, 30s crowd, God, because if they get it right now, it overflows into their future marriage, into their future families, into their future ministries. When they get it right standing alone, it impacts everything. And I just pray, God, that you would challenge them to do the work of healing today so that they don't have to do it in the future in marriage. And I just ask that you would spotlight things that need to heal, that you would identify some of those lies that we have been believing and living out of, and that you would begin to uproot our trauma and replace it with your truth. I just pray for a special pouring out of healing, especially to everybody listening, God, that you would just invite us into the next layer and that we would be willing and ready to go there with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Goodness, you are my favorite as always. Thank you for sharing this wisdom, these truths, this conversation. I'm so thankful. Thanks for having me. Of course. If you enjoyed this episode, I would enjoy you sharing it with a friend. If you take a screenshot and share it on your social, make sure you give me a tag at Katie Bulmer Life, and I will definitely make sure I respond. And thank you so much for sharing the love. Hey, and if you're new to the podcast, make sure you scroll back. We have over a hundred episodes interviewing experts and 20 somethings and everyone in between 
tackling all the hottest topics you wish you knew, but maybe just don't. This is called the Truth for Your 20s podcast, and I'm so thankful that you are here.